Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Daniel Mangena, a public speaker, best-selling author, broadcaster, and coach. He is best known for his highly successful Micro to Millions program, being the author of Stepping Beyond Intention and his Do It With Dan and Beyond Success podcasts. After receiving a late diagnosis of Asperger's and experiencing what can only be described as a life-shattering trauma at the age of 20, Daniel spent the next seven years struggling to keep these revelations and events from spilling into every area of his life. In today's episode, Daniel teaches us his Beyond Intention paradigm, a simple four-step system that began as a lifeline with grappling with suicidal thoughts and became a path to lasting joy and purpose. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you for having me, James. Excited to be here. I am looking forward to this as well. That was a lot for me to read, <laughs> but you've done so many different things and you have so many wonderful things to teach us. So I'm really honored that you're here today. From where are you from originally? So I'm from East London in the UK, but uh, I moved to Mexico back in 2018. What brought you to Mexico? It's quite a change. Um, my friends invited me to come and look at a prospective location to teach a few workshops, uh, three days to, to 10. And I just didn't <laughs> leave. And that was, that was that. That was the end of it. I'm sure a lot of people listening right now be like, I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> so you've done, like I said, you've done a lot of things. I didn't even, didn't, didn't even touch all the things that you've done. I know that you've have so many different things that you are so many different accolades and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we get started, first off, can you explain to people what Asperger's is? Because some people may have heard of that, but don't realize what it is. Mm -hmm. And I want to explain that as well. Okay. So. The, the, the most straightforward way I've found to explain Asperger's to people is if you imagine someone that's autistic that can actually communicate with the outside world mm -hmm. and has more of the mainstream wiring, more of the neurotypical wiring, but not all of it. There's some things that are still unplugged. Yeah. So for me, it shows up um, with the way that I think, the way that I process information and the way that I communicate and connect. Mm -hmm. What's that? What you did very well in explaining what that is. One of the things that when you when you heard that when you first were diagnosed with it, what was your response? Um, I was really blessed that the the doctor that caught it because I was I was twenty seven years old at the time. The mm -hmm. doctor that caught it specialized in working with adults with autism or with neuro mm -hmm. neurodiversity, and so gave a lot of context before giving that and so i ah, understood sorry. what it was before she said what it was sure. and so it was a relief to me because it helped me to understand a lot about myself a lot of the challenges that i'd faced 
and she really mm-hmm. focused on what my superpowers were before talking about what my shortfalls and, and needs were going to be. Wow, really, really well done. So that's, and I think that's one of the best things was when people understand how different we all are in many different ways, but to recognize mm-hmm. that there's the beauty beyond it. But I think for some people, what they struggle with is all of a sudden that becomes the label. I'm this, mm-hmm. so this is what mm-hmm. my diagnosis is. So therefore this is what I am. And we take on that identity. How did you differentiate mm-hmm. between that to make sure that you are you who has this mm-hmm. Asperger's? Again, I think it really came down to the support that I received from Dr. Helen. Mm-hmm. She, like I said, she really, really focused on these are, this is what's really cool about it. And this is why I think that you're going to actually thrive because of this. This is how this diagnosis is going to help you understand what support yeah. that you need and what changes to make in order to be able to move forward positively. So she really, really focused on those strengths and the upside and then was like, okay, so these are the areas where you might need a bit more support. This mm. is where it's been showing up for you in a disempowering way. This is how we could address it. And we did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy to support mm. in creating those frameworks and structures to be able to move forward. Oh, I'm really glad that you had her. With mm-hmm. We all experience things in our life. You know, I, There's been really dark mm-hmm. times in my life. There's been dark times in your life. There was some time when you really struggled and you had suicidal thoughts. You overcame mm-hmm. them. So it's always really good to mm-hmm. hear people who have been in the trenches, if you will, because we all have been there, but mm-hmm. people who talk about mm-hmm. it. And then to be able to say, this is what I did to get beyond that. Can you share with us some of mm-hmm. the struggles you had and how you're able to fought, find your way through that? I'm assuming it's through mm-hmm. your, in your paradigm as well, your beyond intensive yeah. paradigm. Yeah, so the paradigm actually was me going back over the journey and understanding the steps I'd gone through. And then Mm -hmm. I spent a couple of years kind of refining that and applying that same model to other areas that I wanted to create in my life. And then for the past five years, obviously, I've been supporting people through through my work. But before then, I was really focused on just sharing it with people and seeing if it actually worked. Because it's very easy to have these crazy ideas that sound really sexy and and they might work for you, but they might not necessarily be applicable to other people and when i did see that it was applicable to other people i started to share that with others but for me the, the the key 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 thing for me was understanding that everything that we're putting into our mind is either disrupting whatever program we're running on or supporting it mm-hmm. and you don't even need to have any consciousness behind that disruption or support yeah. If it's going to disrupt it, it's going to disrupt it. And if it's going to support it, it's going to support it. When we apply a level of intentionality, a level of of deliberateness in what we want to create and then ensuring that the inputs that we are receiving are supporting it and disrupting Mm -hmm. the parts of our current program that are inhibiting it, it will always Mm -hmm. naturally lead to what we want. I found that out completely accidentally because I didn't try and dig myself out of a hole, James. I actually... Mm only didn't make a suicide attempt because I was so convinced that I was such a loser that I would fail, that I was scared to try and fail. Mm. And so I actually went off to do was go back over all of the personal development that I'd done, go over all of the uh, reality creation, the the esoteric stuff and the mystical stuff Mm -hmm. to understand how I could de-lose myself and successfully pull off my suicide. But you can't Mm. spend two to three years bombarding your mind with positive content and not end up with a positive mind. And that's actually what happened to me completely accidentally. Wow. That's, you know, I I love hearing this. So so individuals who have different uh, neurotypical aspects, and that's just people who just think differently. Mm -hmm. It's always neat to hear how that's different in the sense of sometimes other people may think, oh, I think this, so it must be true. And so when that happens, we forget that, yeah, I may think this, but I can reprogram myself. So in psychology, Mm -hmm. we have cognitive behavioral therapy, which you were, which uh, you're, 
your, your doctor worked with you on. And then there's a subset of that called rationally motive behavioral therapy. So that basically says what you think determines what you feel, what you feel determines what you do. And in order to change all that, you have to interrupt the, the thought, which then changes the emotion. So there's a whole equation there. When you were at your darkest time and you realized, I don't want to attempt to attempt suicide because I'll probably fail at that. What was it that on the other side that you interrupted that thought to slightly change that? Because as we know, the, the slight thought change creates the mm -hmm. emotion change, which creates the behavior. Can you think of that one mm -hmm. thought that really stuck with you as you worked through it? This is the crazy thing, James. I, so all of this happened around 2008. I woke okay. up in 2015 one day and realized I wasn't thinking about suicide anymore. I can't tell oh. you what the point was, yeah. but I no. was so, again, because of the way that my brain works, which I found out years later, I became so focused on this idea of working out what had gone wrong with all this conscious creation stuff, all this quote unquote manifesting stuff, which wasn't a word that was mm -hmm. kind of flying around at the sure. time and has become popular since. But what was it that had gone wrong so that I can fix it? And my obsession meant that I was just so focused on that and all of the content was matching that, that the thought that you're talking about happened somewhere along the way. Mm. And I kind of just drifted into it because sure. there was no, I wasn't having disempowering conversations. I wasn't talking about what the Cardassians were doing or whatever. I was just <laughs> focused on this. That's all I was doing. And so it kind of happened in that process. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know it totally does. And so in psychology, we also talked about the sum of the group. So the people with whom you associate, mm -hmm. you become like them. So mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, if you're a, po a, a positive scale of one to 10, if you're a positive at an eight and I'm at a four, we hang out, I level up to six, you decrease to to that six as well. So it's, I think it's the same thing mm -hmm. as well. You were surrounded yourself with all those positive thoughts, those those thoughts of what what is happening, how do I really understand that? And so you leveled up with that because you became mm -hmm. the sum of the thoughts that mm -hmm. you thought about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what happened. That's what happened. So it was a really weird moment for me because, um, again, I wasn't trying to save myself. And this is the thing that, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, Ted didn't agree with my, my topic. So they didn't actually publish the talk, but I actually did a TED talk called What Suicide Taught Me About Life, where I actually went through this story and, and what I learned from it. Mm -hmm. But there was no choice for life. Life chose me because the inputs mm -hmm. were supporting those thoughts sure. that led to those emotions, yes. emotions that led to that thinking that led to the behaviors that led to life life followed life. And that's, that's literally what happened. We'll be right back. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. Welcome back. You are listening to Lifeology Radio with James Miller. I'm currently speaking with Daniel Mangena. We are talking about his beyond intention paradigm. He struggled with suicidal ideation, but found the intent but found the ability to work through it. And today he's going to teach us his four-step paradigm of beyond intention. If you want to find out more information about Dan, please visit dreamwithdan.com. So Dan, I really appreciate you sharing all that you have so far. Can we walk us through the four steps of your paradigm? Sure. Uh, the first step is accept. And the, the point that I, looking back, because again, all of this was like in retrospect, going through, through the process backwards and mm -hmm. then seeking to apply it. There was a moment when I realized that I couldn't depend on anybody else in order to successfully commit suicide. Mm, sure. Nobody could do it for me. 
And that became the seed of Beyond Intention in something I call common denominator theory. I can have 20 different situations and relationships in my life. I can go and try and exert the energy to change them all individually, or I can recognize that the common thread in all of them is me. And if I change to some degree, all of those things must change. It's the most Mm -hmm. logical place to start. So I can try and deny my responsibility to change my life. I can deny the responsibility for the outcomes in my life. But if I just come to that logical point of common denominator theory, I have a massive amount of power to change everything in my life. And so that's where it began, except is, I am the author and creator of my life. My choices consciously or unconsciously are leading to the outcomes that I experience. And if I start to bring a level of intentionality to those choices, I get a lot more creative power as to what I experience in my life. That's step number one. I I truly, I mean, I would love, once again, I I, I keep saying I love, but I I really appreciate your, the practicality of this. And so, yes, the common denominator, it's very true. I I, I think it's, one of my favorite quotes is divided waters lose force. So the more I try and put out fires in my life, that doesn't allow for me to look at, like you said, the common denominator aspect of who I am. So if I can change my outlook, then like you said, by proxy, it'll automatically change it. So like those divided Mm -hmm. waters are no longer divided because it's all Mm -hmm. the intentionality is me and in that I will, I will show up differently in the world. What's the second, what's the second step? The second step is clear and clear recognizes that real change can only happen in a real place. And the only place that's real is now. And so what we do with step two is we actually acknowledge that if I want to make new choices, if I want to have new thoughts, if I want to have new emotional experiences, I can't do that. If I'm mentally locked in the past or mentally trapped in the future, Mm. I have to be present enough to do that. So step two is the very practical process of letting go of the past and the future. So one of my teachers, Dr. Joe Dispenza, says that wisdom is the memory without the emotional charge. And Eckhart Tolle says a very similar thing, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I can pull the wisdom of the past without needing to carry the emotional experiences or to be Correct. trapped in the emotions of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I pretend things didn't happen. I take the wisdom. I take the learning from it, but stay present emotionally in the now. And I mean excitement is another thing that pulls off into the future it's not just anxiety it's excitement yeah. i can be mm-hmm. caught i remember there's a line in um in the sopranos when tony gets up i think paulie was talking to someone and he said remember when is the lowest form of conversation that he got up and left the table because even positive oh. things from the past can keep us locked in a loop as well so it's taking the beauty taking the lessons getting excited presently not lost in the future and the past and when i can do that i can start to move into step three a lot of people hearing that may have got lost in that. So I know I definitely want people, if you, if you got lost in that, because there was a lot of wonderful meat there. So I know you speak, spend a lot of time at this and we only have a few minutes to go through these, these, all these steps. So definitely rewind that and go through that as well. But I, I wanted to, to piggyback, or I, piggyback, I wanted to ask you more questions about that. So when you retrospectively, in other words, you look back in the past, they can look at this. You, you don't allow yourself to, you, you look at the data. How, what, what's the block that you use so you don't get lost in the emotion? Mm-hmm. For example, if someone, if, if my spouse died, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I am obviously just grieving that it's the anniversary. What are ways mm-hmm. in which you can look at the lessons, learn from that? And this is a really mm-hmm. difficult one, but then be able to not get lost in the grief because grief has its place. Mm-hmm. But in the moment of, mm-hmm. of learning, how are you able mm-hmm. to, what are practical ways that people can kind of keep that, that grief at bay to mm-hmm. recognize the learning of, of perhaps resilience, et cetera, and to be mm-hmm. able to move and move forward in the future? I think the most powerful thing for us to remember is that the unconscious mind moves at 10,000 to 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind. We're never going to be able to block it. And one of the Mm -hmm. things I think we get caught up in as humans is trying to control things outside of the pace of our conscious mind to control. So my, the thing I advocate is instead of trying to block it, feel it, but allow yourself to feel it for the time that it's real, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so if grief comes up, grief is present now. I don't resist the moment. I feel it. I allow it to be a yeah. part of my experience. I allow that to give me the opportunity to reflect on the happy memories that I have with that person, the joyous time mm-hmm. we spent together, and I allow it to move through. I don't pretend that it's not happening. I don't push it away and block it. I mm-hmm. feel it. But emotions move in ways, as you know, of no more than 60 to 90 yes. seconds. And if I allow that yeah. grief to pass through me, it will go about its merry way and I can continue with my life. Pulling, taking the time after that wave to, to deliberately go into the thoughts of what can I be grateful for about the time that I have with this person? The years that we had together, the months that we had together, the happy memories that we had together, the lessons that I learned that are going to carry forward into my next relationship. But yeah. there's no blocking this feeling and being and allowing, but not holding on to it so that we get locked in an, a loop of that grief. A lot of people, well, there's a, there's a, um, a quote that says trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional. So we also, in psychology, we also have what's called, we also have what's called radical acceptance. You accept the facts as Mm -hmm. they are, you accept this, Mm -hmm. but you choose to either live in the misery of it, or you choose to say, yes, I feel it now. Mm -hmm. And and my second response is now, what what do I do with that? And so that Mm -hmm. allows Mm -hmm. you to person to look at all the data points as they are, from their experience, this is really difficult. This is really overwhelming. Now, James, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with it? So it's the same concept in a lot mm-hmm. of ways is to not get mm-hmm. lost in the misery of it, but it is inevitable that you are going to feel it. So if we get lost mm-hmm. in it, and sometimes we do, it, the simple mm-hmm. response is, now what am I going to do? What, have I, what am I learning about myself right now? Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of step one of building tension too, that whole radical acceptance. It's at, at its extreme, it's radically accept responsibility for everything, even the mm-hmm. things that we've got really genuine excuses to blame other people yeah. for. We still dive in and look for where can I claim responsibility because within that responsibility is my power to create going forward. I love that. What's, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Step three is gratitude. But um, th- the key thing with this is it's not gratitude after the fact. It's developing a level of positive expectation through the process of gratitude in advance. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the outcome that I would like instead of, for example, the grief, or I look at the outcome that I do want instead of the sadness or the anxiety, I can start to connect with that with a very practical experience of gratitude. And that's going to be differently expressed by every person because Mm -hmm. we all connect with the energy of gratitude in different ways. All of our minds work in different ways. In another pocket of my work, Money DNA, we look at using your love language as a way to communicate with your unconscious mind. Because the love language is an expression of how your unconscious receives and processes information and has the capacity to translate that into a deliberate message of love being communicated, right? So too quickly, not to take too much time on this, but if someone's love language is words of affirmation and I come home and I slap them on the bum and say, let's go do it, they're not going to feel the love. My no. physical touch love language is communicated to them and they're not receiving love because I've not given them those words of affirmation no matter how much Mm -hmm. they want to care about me that's going to be lost in translation if i come and say hey you know i just love you so much and i'd love to express that through my love language of a physical touch um, there's a different there's a difference there and and the Mm -hmm. person these two people aren't sitting there and saying oh i just got a slap on the bum and no words of affirmation therefore i don't feel love that's being processed at the unconscious level to bring this over to gratitude through the love language, we can actually understand how can we communicate to our unconscious mind a deliberate choice to move into gratitude for this experience that develops a positive expectation that generates the emotional uh, charge, that generates the thinking pattern, that generates the habits and behavior that leads to the outcome, or a lack of that inhibits us from having those behaviors mm-hmm. that ultimately are the only thing that's going to lead to the outcome that we need. Yes. And I agree with that. I really like, in fact, I'll have to have you back on in a different time to talk about uh, using the love <laughs> languages for money. Cause that's brilliant. I, I remember there was a couple of years ago, I was, I was going through a really bad breakup and I was just so overwhelmed and it was so devastating. 
And I remember this, Daniel, and this was really, this was something I hadn't really done before, but and I have, for me, I have a really strong faith in God. So for everyone has different, different uh, ideas of that, but for me, mm -hmm. faith in God. And so I remember I was literally on my knees crying. I was so heartbroken, but all of a sudden I had this flip in my mind and I was like, you know, on the other side of this, you are going to have learned so much. And so I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. that's weird. I'm like, where did that come from? And so <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And so, and, I, and all of a sudden I started to be grateful for the trial or for the, the event, not that I want to go through it ever again, but through the event. And I was so excited because I was thinking I'm actually learning and growing so much. You know, so for me in my field, you know, I've done this for so many years, but to have a really visceral response like that of, I'm excited about this trial. So to take the pain. And now to mm -hmm. focus slightly different on something of the gratitude of the joy of the learning process, took the pain mm -hmm. and use that energy because we know all emotion is energy. I took that energy mm -hmm. and moved it towards self-development. So as we know, mm -hmm. grief is, has its appropriate time. But in that moment, if you can move it to that aspect of I'm learning so much right now and I want to change, I want to be whatever. And so in that, the excitement of the trial allowed for me to process things in such a rapid way that it moved me into a place of now pretty much every time I go through something, which one's going to don't want to go through anything. But when I do, I can flip it to say, I'm grateful for this trial because I know I'm going to learn so much on the other side. As we know, mm -hmm. things usually get to the other side much more quickly than we, than we think, because as we know, we emotionally forecast, emotional forecasting is taking your snapshot of the pain you're in and saying, that's how it's going to be forever. And so to be able to mm -hmm, say, I'm mm -hmm, almost mm -hmm. on the other side, change that expression to gratitude, like you said, and all of a sudden you'll find you can quickly level up. Exactly, exactly. And there's a whole, there's a whole pocket of the work that I do at my Alchemy of Abundance event about that exact thing, using the energy of grief, using the, uh, the energy of fear, using the energy of, 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 of upset and using it. Um, I, I got told there's an NLP term called um, emotion anchoring or something like that. We actually mm -hmm. flip it. There's yep. a process we take people mm -hmm. through where we go into the depth of the of the experience and we flip it and use that to, to push into what we Perfect. want to create. It's a really yes. cool process. Yes. Yeah, because it's it's a form of it's, since it is energy, it's learning how to use it almost like a battery to launch yeah. it into a different way, which is exactly. But exactly. yeah, what's it? We only have we have about two more minutes. What is the next step? Yeah, the last the last step. the last step is listen, and this one's really easy. It's remembering you're human. You're never going to get it right every day. You're not going to be on point every day. You're not going to be happy every day. You're not going to be sad every day either. But if I yeah. think and feel with awareness, I can see when I'm off target. I can see when I'm off. I'm off. Uh, I'm off the path, and I can take that time through thinking and feeling with awareness to go back to step one, to claim our responsibility, mm. to go to step two, up, yeah. to get back into the present moment, to go to step three and start to connect with what I want. And then listen in again, feel when I'm off course, because I will come off course and then bring myself back on course. Wow. There was, uh, once again, my viewers and listeners, there was so much information here that Daniel talked about. So this better be one of your favorite episodes because we definitely want to <laughs> have you guys listen to it over and over again. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. Thank my viewers you, and listeners want to find out more information about you, to learn more about you, to learn all the things you've done, to understand more about mm -hmm. the Beyond Intensive Paradigm and all the other systems you have in place. Where do they find all this information online? Uh, dreamwithdan.com is the best place to go uh, there's a free resources page which will give them some more uh, material around beyond intention there's also my book stepping beyond intention but dreamwithdan.com you can find everything on the website and your podcast as well then yeah everything is on the website social media links podcast my blog everything's Perfect. there wonderful my viewers and listeners also know if they can't find this information any other place simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and i'll link you with daniel Manjana. thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today thank you I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. 
Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.